Hi, I'm Mitchell, and you're listening to a Public Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this talk. Thanks for listening. What a great morning so far. If we haven't met, my name is Todd, and again, thank you guys for being with us. I want to start and just take a moment and honor our Flourish a team. If you're unfamiliar with Flourish, this is the team that serves ladies of our community. Can we honor them, our Flourish ladies? Right here on Thursday night, they held an event called Grace Through Grief, and it was powerful. Just hearing ladies share about different things they've had to grieve, whether that was you know, job loss and security, whether that was what they expected motherhood to be, or even the loss of a child. And ladies, I just wanna encourage you, keep those conversations going. Like that was just the starting point for us to continue to receive the grace that Jesus has for us through grief. Now today, I, I wanna start with a question and, and don't answer this aloud, but please answer this to yourself. And let's say that, you're just thinking about your life and, and whether or not you follow Jesus, answer this question, please. And, and the question is this, as you're thinking about your life, what are some core practices that help you become more like Jesus? Like if you look at your life and, and the rhythm of your life, what are some habits that you're doing, not, not on Sunday on our campus, not in a gathering, if you're online, not during this time where you're tuning in, but, but what are some habits throughout the week that are helping you become more like Jesus? Maybe this will help. Suppose someone walked up to you and said, hey, will you disciple me? Like, uh, what would you say to them? Like if they walked up to you and said, hey, I want you to disciple me. Now, for those of us who follow Jesus, this is a huge deal because with Jesus' last words, he said, disciple the nations, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus expects us to be able to disciple other people. But the question is, if they walked up and said, disciple me, teach me what it means to follow Jesus, teach me the practices and habits that I need to work into my everyday life to follow Jesus, would you have an answer? So today we're starting a series to help all of us answer this question. Because part of our role as church leadership is to help us have an answer to this question so that A, we can grow as disciples, and B, we can lead others to grow as followers of Jesus too. So this series is called How to Embrace the Journey. How to Embrace the Journey. It's a how-to series. It's practical. It's about our everyday lives. And the phrase embrace the journey comes from our vision that we develop a public church that invites people to embrace the journey of following Jesus. So we wanna talk about very practically, very tangibly, what does it look like for us to do that in our everyday lives? We, we mentioned that we were rolling out this How to Embrace the Journey on Vision Day a few weeks ago. If you missed it, I encourage you to go back and watch or listen to that. And essentially, this is, this is our disciple-making strategy. But as we talk about one of these five habits or practices today, I wanna be really clear. This is not a checklist. One of the worst things that could happen in this series, if you're like, okay, check, got that, done with that for a while. Check, got, oh, I got all five, I'm done until I get to heaven. No, no, that is not at all what we're talking about. This is cyclical. These are habits that we ingrain into our lives and that we deepen and cultivate over time. Each of these practices gives us room to apply it based on how God has uniquely wired us. So we're gonna dive into the first one today and we're gonna be in Mark chapter one. If you have a paper or digital copy of the word, I just encourage you to go to Mark chapter one. And I love that we're in Mark one because 
We also, if you go to our app, we have a, a Bible study. It's called the Knowing Jesus Project, and it is a soap Bible study for the book of Mark. Because a huge part of this, and you're gonna hear this in the series, is that to follow Jesus for the long haul, we got to get in the word. Look, look, if you're here and you don't follow Jesus, the best thing that you could do, in my opinion, is to go home today, download our app, get on the Knowing Jesus Project and start reading through Mark according to plan. It lays it out. Soap is a strategy, scripture, observation, application, prayer. And Nolan, who you met earlier and I are actually reading through Mark with some of our sixth and seventh graders and their dads. And we're just fired up about this opportunity. So, so get some people and read through Mark together. Because to be honest, I didn't plan to be in this text today. Like, like when we were planning this series, I thought I was gonna be somewhere else. And then through that Mark Bible study, I believe Jesus led me to this text. So we're gonna be in Mark chapter one, and we're gonna start in verse 29. But first, I need to set the stage a little bit for us. So Mark is written by, can you guess? Oh, come on, you guys can wake up. I know it's getting a little hotter, but we can do better than that. Mark is written by? Mark, thank you. But it is actually Peter's account. Peter, the leader of the disciples, he basically said, hey, Mark, write all these things down. So this is Peter's account. Like Peter was the leader. He had a front seat to all of this. And Peter's in a hurry. He's got a lot to say in a short amount of time. So you see like immediately and ba-da-da. And it just keeps moving on throughout this. And what we notice at the beginning is, is Peter and Mark, they don't waste any time diving into this. And so what's happened so far is Jesus is baptized, he's tempted, he begins his ministry and he starts it in Capernaum after picking a few disciples, one of which was Simon, who's also known as Peter. And so these guys are with him and he shows up to a place like this in their culture and he teaches the word of God. And they said, man, he speaks, not as the other teachers, he speaks as one who has authority. But his authority didn't just extend when he was on the stage, after he walked off, he actually healed somebody who is demon possessed, like, oh my goodness. He's not just speaking with authority, he's living with authority. And part of our whole vision is that it's not just about what happens here, it's about what happens when we leave here. And so we're gonna pick up in verse 29 when Jesus leaves a place like this. So in verse 29, Jesus has left and it says this, after Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. These are all disciples. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. So a few things, who are these guys, James, John, Simon, Andrew? These are the original disciples that he's chosen. And they go, and it doesn't say Peter told them about his mother-in-law. It said they told him about their mother-in-law. Because let's be honest, if your mother-in-law was sick and Jesus was there, would I'm just kidding, that's terrible, okay? Insert mother-in-law joke here. Some of you have those, okay? My mother-in-law is awesome, just for the record, in case you're watching, Brenda, I love you, love you so much. Um, but she's phenomenal, none of those jokes apply. But it's like, Peter's mother-in-law is sick, and, and this phrase in Greek means that she's been in bed for a while. She's been sick with a fever for a while. So they tell Jesus about her, and Jesus healed at the synagogue, and then what he does, verse 31, he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her to sit up. Then the fever left her. Pause. We need to pray. What we're about to talk about is so simple we could miss it, but it's so profound that it could change our everyday lives if we let it. So let's pray. Jesus, speak to us. Holy Spirit, if you don't open our eyes to receive this simple but profound truth, we might as well just go home right now. We might as well tune off this broadcast. But Holy Spirit, you are moving among us. Open our eyes and rock our worlds by this simple but profound truth 
that we're about to talk about. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. So as we think about how to embrace the journey, what are these practices or habits of a Jesus follower? It makes sense that we would go, well, what does Jesus do? Okay, so let's start there. So here's what Jesus does. Here is habit number one that we're talking about today. Serve people. Look, you can write those two words down and go home and be like, I took notes today, guys. I actually took notes, first time ever. Like I was in a gathering, I took notes. Okay, serve people. That is the notes for today. Serve people. Because notice what Jesus does. When he's in a place like this, he uses his gifts to improve the lives of others. He speaks, he heals. When he leaves a place like this, he uses his gifts to improve the lives of others. He continues to heal. Wherever Jesus is, he just simply serves people. A little bit later in Mark, in Mark 10, 45, Jesus actually said it this way. He said, for even the son of man, even me, Jesus says, did not come to be served, but to serve. Did you get that? For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Our Savior didn't show up and say, man, I'm God on the scene, which he was, and so y'all just worship me, y'all do all this stuff for me, it's all about, no, he showed up and he leveraged all of his gifts and authority and influence to serve other people. So if we start with going, okay, what does Jesus do? And if we're gonna follow him, we should probably do what he does and, he just serves people. And so we see that here. But what happens next is the simple but profound truth that we can't miss. Because we go, okay, serve people, that's the thing. But then we look, who else is in the story? Yes, there's disciples, but Peter's mother-in-law. Please, please don't miss this. Lean in, underline this in your Bible. It's underlined in mine. Then the fever left her. At the end of verse 31, catch this. Then the fever left her and she prepared a meal for them. The message, paraphrase, says she wasted no time in getting up to basically serve them. Why did she do that? Because as followers of Jesus, we serve people. It's just what we do. (laughs) We serve people. It's just what we do. When we are touched by Jesus and healed by Jesus, it is never just for us. It is always so then we can serve others. We could say it this way. Your healing and my healing is so we can offer healing to others. The freedom Jesus gives us is so we can invite others into that freedom. Jesus serves us so that then we have the strength and power to go serve other people. It never ends with us. But here's the problem. If I could just get up in your business for a minute. For some of us, if we were Peter's mother-in-law, we wouldn't have gotten up and immediately went and served because that's just what we do. We would have gotten up and been like, thank you, Jesus. I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt that we'd at least say thank you, that I would at least say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for taking the fever away, but now could you take care of my finances? Like, like what else can you do for me, Jesus? Okay, Jesus, thank you for healing me, but hey, you four disciples, they're following him around. Now, what are you gonna do for me? Thank you for healing me, Jesus, but I'm just gonna chill out right here for a minute and see what else is coming. That was good, but, but isn't there more? Can't you do more for me, Jesus? Come on, what are you gonna do for me, Jesus? Because it's so easy in our culture to let a consumer mindset seep into how we approach Jesus. And instead of recognizing that we are healed to then offer healing, we think we're healed and then, oh, give me more and give me more and what else is for me? And we don't even think about other people. It's just like, come on, give it to me, Jesus. But as Jesus followers, we serve people. It's just what? We do. In fact, in John 13, 15, after Jesus had served his disciples so intensely that they were offended, you should read John 13. Like they're offended at the level of serving because of how he degraded himself to serve them. 
And then Jesus gets them together and says, hey guys, you know I'm the leader, right? You, you know I'm, I'm the leader. So, so here's the thing, I've given you an example. That word in the original language means pattern. I've given you a pattern to follow. Do as I have done to you. The freedom, the healing, the encounter with Jesus that we experience should flow through us and to others. Why? Because as followers of Jesus, we serve people. It's just what we do. And Jesus is a phenomenal example here that we do this wherever we are and however we can. So this isn't like a just on a Sunday thing. This is wherever we are, however we can, we serve people. Because you see, again, Jesus, the ultimate pattern. When he's in a place like this, he serves. When he leaves a place like this, he serves. In every moment, he's walking into the situation, not going, hey, what are you gonna do for me? No, the Son of Man came to serve to give his life as a ransom for many. He's going, here's what I can offer you. Here's how I can serve you. But not only that, I just want to encourage us, feel what I'm about to read. These are words written by Paul who helped plant a whole lot of churches. And we've got to feel what he writes here about all of us who follow Jesus, about all of you who may one day follow Jesus. Here's what he says in Ephesians chapter two. He says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. We have to go here to make sure we're not serving to earn God's favor, we're serving from God's favor. <laughs> Jesus didn't say, hey, y'all do some stuff for me, and then I'll think about dying for you. No, he just died for us. We are enemies of God. He extends his grace, but grace received should be grace distributed. And that's what we're talking about here. Notice what he says next. Don't just stop there. He says this, for we are God's masterpiece. Maybe you walked in struggling with identity and that's the word you need. That as you are, no matter what anyone says about you, you know what your heavenly father says about you? He says, you are God's masterpiece. For we are God's masterpiece, not to put on display in a museum, but here's why we are masterpieces. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That following Jesus, being transformed by Jesus, means we receive that grace and then we distribute that grace. That he has good things for us to do, people for us to serve, no matter where we are. So we serve people, it's just what we do. Wherever we are, however we can, and then also we serve through our gifts because you're gifted. Maybe nobody's ever told you that, but for all of us who follow Jesus, we have a gift. 1 Corinthians 12, four says this, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. Receive this word, verse seven. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Can you guys say each of us, ready? Each of us, say it one more time. Each of us, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Not so that our lives get better, so that we get better that you're gifted, that the moment you follow Jesus, the Spirit of God moves in and he puts a gift in you and he put a gift in me 
And the purpose of that gift is that we can serve other people because that's what Jesus did. And as Jesus followers, that's just what we do. This is not something that we have an off season from. Now I know one of the pushbacks might be, but man, I've been hurt and I just need some time to heal. So I was processing that. I thought about my coaching background. I think about when an athlete tears an ACL. I know we got some athletes out here. This is a little too close to home for some of y'all. When you tear something, you don't walk out of surgery and go straight back to the field, straight back to the court. No, there's a rehab process. But during that rehab process, who you are hasn't changed. And during that rehab process, everything you're doing is to get back on the field so you can use the gifts you've been given. So the reality is for some of you, you may be in a season of healing. You may be in a series of restoration where some of the gifts that you've been given, you honestly can't use them right now. And that's okay because we can still serve wherever we are and however we can. Maybe we've got to set that that gift aside so we can be healed. But do you realize that he still prepared good works for you? And that in that healing restoration season, every single person that you come in contact with is a person, I would say a divine appointment where you can serve them and love them and point them to Jesus. Because there is no off season to this idea that we serve people, it's just what we do. So so what's the action for us as we think about this? First off, I would say this talk's gonna land differently depending on where you're at in this. For some of you, this is fuel to the fire. I hope that this fires you up and helps you be able to live out Galatians 6, which says, let us not grow weary in doing good, for we will reap a harvest in due time. Maybe you're like, man, does anybody notice? Your heavenly father notices. And this world is not the only arena where he hands out awards. One day he will award you even if no one else notices. So the reality is, let's keep it up. Let's serve, let's lean in. I hope this is fuel on your fire. For some of you, this may be like a kick in the teeth. Because you realize, oh, 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 there's no room for spectating in the Jesus movement. That's not like a spot we sign up for. It's not like we sign up and like, okay, I'm gonna be in the Jesus movement, I'm gonna follow him. Can I take the consumer slot? It's like, no, no, that that slot doesn't exist. Because if we're actually gonna take on the pattern of Jesus, we're just gonna serve people wherever we are, however we can, and we're gonna leverage our gifts to do that. So wherever this finds you, a couple actions. The first action is that really part two of this talk is, something really special we're gonna do next week. And it has to do with that develop your gifts part. Because part of our role as a church is to help you both discover and develop the gifts you've been given. So you can serve on and off campus. So, so next week, during this time, what we're gonna do is we're gonna have our first ever open house. Like, well, what in the world is open house about? Well, first off, I just want you to relax and know that if you show up, we can handle the rest. Like your role is being here. And we're praying for you and we're planning. So you just be here, relax, we'll handle the rest. But just to give you an idea, we're gonna have a little bit of time like this, but then you're also gonna have a time to get to know your church family, to meet community group leaders, to meet our local and global partners, to meet our public teams and and to interact with them so you can find your place to serve on and off campus. You're gonna have campus tours where you can see all the different teams in action. And parents, if you're like me and you're going, what am I gonna do with my kids? We want you to know we've thought about you parents. First off, we're fired up that our kids are here and we'll have a family's moment in just a minute. But next week we'll still have optional childcare for children two and under. And for children four and under, we're gonna have 30 minutes of fun time outside. So bring your kids and prepare for them to get sweaty because they're gonna have a good time getting sweaty in Jesus' name. And 
If you are older than that, man, we want you to walk through with your parents because understand this, there's no age limit on this gifting. There's no age limit on serving in Jesus's church. Maybe as you walk around with your mom or dad, you go, hey, mom, you serve on Sundays. I wanna serve with you. Hey, dad, you serve off campus with this local partner. I wanna start going with you because you don't have to turn eight or nine or 18 to serve in Jesus's church. So we are so excited about next week. It's an opportunity for us to begin to find our people and for us to begin to find our place. So come so that we can play a role in helping you discover and develop your gifts. But, but what about between now and next Sunday? I just wanna encourage us to open our eyes. In fact, for our kids who are here, and by the way, could we just make some noise for all the kids and parents who are out here? Man, y'all are awesome. We love you. You're making it. By the way, we don't have much time left, parents, okay? So uh, just to give you a heads up there. But you actually got one of these, and here's our family moment. So if you're a kid today, maybe you're two years old, maybe you're nine years old, maybe you're 11 years old, here's a challenge for you. Do a chore before being asked or do an extra chore. If you have siblings, maybe even do a chore for them. Yes, everyone in your whole entire house will be shocked. But this is a chance for you to be like Jesus, to live this out. Maybe you just see that mom or dad has had a tough day and you just start vacuuming or doing the dishes. Look, you may vacuum the wrong room, but your parents are still gonna be thrilled that you're vacuuming, okay? It's an opportunity for you. If you're in middle school or high school, I wanna speak directly to you. Sometimes you get sold that, that there's not a place for you in Jesus's church until you're 18 or you get in college or you're a young professional. Man, that is a lie from the enemy. We would love to have our teams flooded with middle school and high schoolers every single Sunday. We would love to have our local and global partners filled with parents and teenagers serving together. Don't wait until you turn 13 or 14 or 15. This is for you. And you know who's gonna make the biggest impact 15 year old at your school this week? You. Not your teacher, not even your coach. And I'm a co I, I, I love coaches. I think we make huge impact, but you are. If you just show up and serve people, it's what Jesus did for us. And it's just what we do. And for all of us, I challenge us to look at our relationships. Husbands, to think about your wife. Parents, to think about your kids. Wives, to think about husbands. Roommates, to think about your roommate. Bosses, to think about those people who serve under you. Colleagues, to think about the other people you work with. To think about your bosses. Just to think about our spheres of influence and the people that surround us and just ask this question, Holy Spirit, how can I serve them this week in your name? Because you've put me there on purpose and you've prepared good works ahead of time for me to do. And so one of the people that lives this out best in our church family and a ton of you guys live it out is Sherry Harkin. She's gonna start heading up here. Sherry is in our community group, her and David are. They're a tremendous source of wisdom and if, if at any point you're thinking, oh, well, um, it's all about serving on campus, Sherry actually stopped serving on campus so that she could have more time to serve with a local partner. So we're putting somebody in front of you to say, it's about wherever you are that we serve. But Sherry is just gonna simply share about her heart for serving. So could we honor Sherry? Thank you, and good morning. Um, I love that one of the strategies of public churches that we serve, um, in my reading uh, in the mornings, I've been reading through the Gospels and how Jesus is teaching his followers. And one of the things um, that 
really uh, impressed me was in Mark chapter 10 when the, James and John are sort of arguing among each other about who's going to be in heaven sitting beside Jesus. And Jesus explains to them, it's not about being great. It's about serving. And then he goes on to tell that what Todd mentioned, Mark 10, 45, that he, the son of man, gave his life as a ransom for many. And that many is us, y'all. I'm so grateful for what Jesus has done. I'm challenged um, by that as well, but about seven years ago, uh, my husband David and I um, went to China to teach in an um, international university there for about two and a half years. God opened the door very clearly, and we knew we had to walk through it. Was it hard? Yes. <laughs> um, we missed family and we missed, uh, um, I missed especially some of the conveniences that we have here, but we saw God do awesome things. Um, so thankful we had that opportunity. Um, when we went, we were in our 50s and I didn't know how much student interaction we would have, but because we were Americans, they wanted to come to our tiny uh, university apartment and uh, because we were Americans, and then I served uh, spaghetti and brownies and and that was a, you know, that was a drawing thing. But because of the relationships we made, we were able to share who Jesus was with some of those students. And that was incredible. And this year, what Todd was talking about, um, serving on the Flourish team around February 14th, we have the Galentine's event. And I felt really led not to just do it in my home, but to take it to Foundation House Ministry. Um, it is a ministry that um, our church partners with. And what they do is they help mothers walk on their way out of crisis lifestyle. So um, Dora Lee Gordon and I took the house party there. We met some of the young moms. There was one that had just had a baby, two that were expecting very soon, and one young mother that was working to be reunited with her little baby, a little baby girl. Um, so while I was there, I felt the Lord really tugging at my heart that this is a ministry that I should be involved with. And so I did. I, um, I sort of gave up being on the Flourish team and felt like that that was where I needed to put my time um, uh, for right now. And um, a few hours a week, one day a week, um, I took care of babies and their mothers worked in uh, um, for the thrift shop or the uh, gift shop that's on Broad Street and or, or they trained. And um, it was just so special for me to see those moms grow in their love for their babies and in how they might work out of this crisis lifestyle. So that was encouraging to me. So for me, serving others is who we are as Jesus followers. John tells us in, um, Jesus tells us in John 13, 35, that people will know we are his disciples if we have love for one another. And to love, I think, is to serve. Um, I challenge you, if you're not already serving somewhere, look around you. Find a place that you can serve in the name of Jesus. Maybe it's here at Public Church. Maybe it's in the Cleveland community, like a ministry like Foundation House. Or maybe it's overseas. Maybe the Lord's calling you to move somewhere else to serve Him. I can't promise it's going to be easy, but I do know if you're following the Lord in the leading of His Holy Spirit, you won't regret it. Sherry, yes. Thank you, Sherry.
So really there's nothing more to add, but Sherry, would you pray for us? Like your story inspires us to, to maybe relocate, but also to look around us and see where we could serve right now. So would you just pray that, that what we've heard and received, that we would take action with it today? Father, we just bow before you and thank you and praise you for Jesus and for his example that he made of being a servant and giving his life for us. And Lord, I pray that as we um, search um, our hearts and you speak to us through your Holy Spirit, that we would find the place that you've called us to serve. Lord, we would say yes to whatever door you're opening. Knowing it may not be easy, we may have to give up some things, we may uh, have missed some people, but Lord, you make it all worthwhile when we walk where you've called us to walk. Thank you for public church, Lord. Thank you for the challenge to serve. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to connect with you on any of our social medias at a public church or through our app or website, publicchurch.com. To give towards the vision of public church, you can do so through our app or website via PushPay or by texting public church in all caps and no space to 77977. Again, thanks for listening 